Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another sunny day in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Mark Temple, director of Gattaca Associates. Gattaca Associates is a utility infrastructure consultancy based in South Sea, Hampshire. Mark, hello. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for coming on the show today. We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? The word leader is somebody who has vision, somebody who has integrity, and somebody who will be able to take what they see as a vision and turn it into reality. Now, how would you describe your personal leadership style? Um, I think my leadership style is quite interesting. Um, I believe in leading from the front, as it were, um, especially with our company um, being in the forefront of the construction um, consultancy uh, league. We, we, we are very much a consultancy that has to lead from the front, both in our innovation for delivering our projects and the fact that we are very early on within projects. So we have to be very innovative and we also need to be very much um, at the forefront of what those projects are trying to deliver. Now, you are responsible for quite a few people. What are the biggest challenges in dealing with people? Because, of course, they're not robots. They have issues when they're ill. They have stress-related issues. What is the biggest challenge in managing people? I think these days, I think possibly understanding their own well-being is one of the biggest challenges that we we have. I think the stresses and the strains of business um, in this climate is very much that people are pushed very much to their limits. So consequently, we need to be in a situation where, where, whereby we are understanding that people do need to have a work-life balance. They do need to have time out. More importantly, though, they need to be coming into work with fresh minds and they need to be relaxed and they need to be rested. And consequently, work as a team. So you can't have one of the cogs within that team that's not quite synced. Uh, especially in what we do. So consequently, as a, as a very much leading my team and leading my company, it's making sure that everybody is, is getting that support they need. Now let's wind back the clock to when you first started out uh, your career. Was there a particular figure who inspired you or who has molded who you became as a leader? That's a really interesting question for me. I was very much led by a construction manager who was my first ever construction manager when I came out of university and he was he'd worked in he'd worked abroad in the in the Middle East and he'd come home um, with no real need to work again but he was so passionate about the construction industry that he'd gone to work for quite a small contractor I come out of university I'd gone to work to that for that small contractor and he was very very much inspiring to me because he passionately believed in construction and consequently he went his ladder up through that company was very rapid from the point of view of because of his passion for construction his passion for what he was doing um, really took him through the through the a pathway to a, to actually becoming managing director of that company, and I very much followed 
followed what he did and how he managed his teams to get him there. And it was really inspiring for me. Yeah. Do you try and pass on that inspiration to the younger generation within your firm? So we very much have a dual approach to um, the business in that we have uh, established project managers and project directors who have come from within the industry, the construction industry and the utility industry. But we really do believe in bringing graduates through and training them, not just within what Gattaca does, um, but also within the wider the wider business community and uh, we're very fortunate at the moment we've got some really good graduates some of whom have been with us now for um, six seven years now so consequently we I'm very much of the opinion that not only do we bring those graduates through I I mentor some of them we have the project directors that mentor some of them and effectively we try to make sure that we're bringing them all under one umbrella so that they're learning not just of what we do within the industry, but learning within a wider team ethos, a wider business ethos is, is, is passed on to them. What is the first piece of advice that you give one of your young mentees? I think something that I truly believe in, which is treat others how you'd want to be treated yourself. So it doesn't matter where you are within our team. It doesn't matter whether it's you're speaking to myself as the MD or you're speaking to one of our, um, you know, one of our uh, document controllers, for example, it, you're all one team. Just treat everybody as you would expect to be treated yourself. I think that's very much a setting stone within our business. Well, that, of course, is good advice for anyone in any walk of life. Um, do you find that there are more young people drawn to your profession uh, at this stage, or are you struggling to find uh, new recruits, as it were? Very much the latter. I think the construction industry is, is not seen as glamorous. Um, and I think it's very much taken quite a lot of um, slack of late and a lot of uncertainty within that business from the point of view of some of the big construction companies failing uh, and some of the um, press, the bad press that construction gets over some of the big infrastructure projects and the overspend and all the things that happen with, around those issues and I think it doesn't get good press as it is so consequently the younger generation aren't looking um, to come into the business um, sort of as a, as, a, as a go-to as a go-to career really. Now what can be done to address this? How can we encourage more young people to move into construction? I think we have to look at construction in a different way and I think we have to look at construction from the point of view of we have to get it out more within the within the within the press. I think we have to get it out more within. It's something that without construction, without infrastructure, especially I'm passionate about infrastructure. If we don't get construction out there, we don't get infrastructure out there, and we don't give it a good name, and we don't we don't promote it, then we're just not going to turn the tide of. of of youngsters and and other females, for example, but you know we, what that's another issue that I think needs to be addressed is the amount of women within the industry as well. That we really do have to address these issues, and you know because the, the you know the pledges of the government are such that infrastructure is going to be a key to the to the growth of the, the, the nation. So we've got to get out there and get the construction, the infrastructure. We've got to design it. We've got to build it. And we need the right people to do it. And I 
you know, we've got a, such a wealth of talent within the UK that we have to get the right people in. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, getting getting into the universities, getting into the schools and getting it into the you can't get it into the curriculum, but you can you can try and get it into the careers. You know, real push it within the careers within the within the schools and the and the universities. And it's almost it's do. almost an issue that needs to be uh, addressed. Our, our biases in education against uh, manual labor and uh, jobs that you do with your hands. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of students uh, at the moment are on the pipeline for university, for good or for ill. Um, obviously in, in construction, one can make a, make a, a good, honest, decent living. Uh, but it, the perceptions around it, it seems needs to change in order to ensure, uh, success in the 21st century. Uh, Mark, unfortunately, our time together is very much running, uh, slow, uh, not slow, but very quickly. Um, <laughs> before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Gattaca Associates? Uh, so the next 12 months, we are very much um, in an expansion situation whereby we have some large schemes with the infrastructure schemes, highway schemes, road schemes that we are starting to um, kick off with some some of the big contractors uh, and big consultancies uh, across the UK. So that's really exciting for us. And on the uh, regeneration development side, we have gone through a lot of the reconstruction phases now on, on, on some of the uh, especially regeneration schemes that we're looking at. We will be in construction mid this year and uh, really exciting for us. Um, so our expansion within the UK is is, is going as planned and um, we we just hope that we can keep delivering the, the services that we, we pride ourselves on for within the utility infrastructure um, business. Well, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Please come back anytime. We need to get further in depth on this issue. Uh, Mark, thank you. Thank you. That was Mark Temple, director of Gattaca Associates Limited. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it, and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that 
genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with, so you're very fortunate. I think you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach, as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And, of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence. On me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships. You could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life 
But yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years, he it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't, want to be, who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit. And you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life and my family, You've got somebody in the group who doesn't want to be part of it. You you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his in his staff. And I think that's one thing. I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time. And is there? Do you think uh, a, a specific moment? I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment if you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in? Uh, South so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's, that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark, I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Um, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out our so I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, 
people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show you. He got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that's uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke and make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard of somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh, if if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think, um, you, you were a young man when... See, this happened when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that 
occur to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it. Now, quite frankly, that's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of. of fans of, of West Ham and, uh, and Stoke and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration um, well, you, but, you don't but, uh, have to but I will uh, um, well, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it perhaps um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years uh, people look at you and um uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect, uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at. Um, uh, Football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is. Is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool? Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude. Is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence, these unbelievable results. There are, you know. And the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen. And I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing. Astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, That's a they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the 
um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody... And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. The word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind single mindedness, dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life but if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements. And it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. 
Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.